بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 30th of December in the year 2023 and Alhamdulillah we moved on to the 58th night that we're going through the illustrious and exalted life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and I've reached the point where I've mentioned the tragic martyrdom of Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan and I mentioned that Abu Hurairah was now around the age of 57 years so the next section entitled during the fitna and thereafter Sayyidina Uthman had thus held back the sword of strife for as long as possible but now it was released Sayyidina Thawban who relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam إِذَا وُدِعَ الصَّيْفُ فِي أُمَّتِي لَمْ يُرْفَ عَنْهَا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامِ When the sword is placed in my ummah, it will not be withdrawn till the last hour. Subhanallah. So this is recorded in Tirmadhi, number 2209, Hassan Sahih. Ahmed in his Musnad, number 22,515, and others. So this is a very interesting report. The Prophet ﷺ said, once the sword is drawn, it's not going to be replaced. Meaning, there will be continuous problems in the Ummah. And looking back, you can see this. It was only for the first 25 years, due to Uthman's superhuman effort, that the sword was kept sheathed. But now the sword is released. Sayyidina Ali Allah was thereupon reluctantly sworn into the elite office. There then arose the famous disagreement between Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Muawiyah concerning the capture and execution of Sayyidina Uthman's assassins. This disagreement regrettably took the form of a battle and laid the foundation for the sad split of the Muslim Ummah. But every sober and sane person knows that the differences between these noble souls were based solely on the glorious deen. So this is important. Yes, the Sahaba differed. Yes, eventually they ended up on the battlefield. But what ultimately caused them to go onto the battlefield? And it was basically their understanding of the scenario. They were trying to understand what was the best course to take. However, this is something that is not deduced. This was something mentioned by no other than the Prophet himself. So where did he mention this? Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Tamruku mariqatan inda furqatin minal muslimina yaktuluha awla ta'ifataini bilhaq. A rebellious group will emerge at a time of dissent amongst the Muslims. It will be destroyed by the clause of the two groups to the truth. 
This is in Sayyid Muslim number 1065, Abu Dawood number 4667, Sayyid, in the chapter on the Sunnah, Mishkat and Uds. So what did our beloved messenger say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? A sect will emerge. A sect will emerge when? When there's problems amongst the Muslims. What then did he say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? It will be destroyed by the close of the two groups to the truth. So in this flawless report, the Prophet was saying there's going to be three groups. Two groups are upon haq. Two groups are upon truth. One is not the one that splits. That's not upon the truth. Who will deal with that split sect? The Prophet said, وسلم, out of the two groups on Haqq, the one who is closer to the truth. <laughs> Meaning, the one who has got more, who are more correct. So you've got one who are absolutely correct. You've got one who are correct, but to a lesser degree. And who will deal with the one who splits? The one who is closer to the truth. <laughs> That's a hadith. Imam Nawawi, he commented in Sharh Sahih Muslim, volume 7, page 235. This is a clear declaration that both the parties are believers and fighting each other does not cancel their faith. Indeed, they should not even be called impious. Subhanallah. So what did the great Imam Nawawi say on this Sahih Hadith? He said, this is a proof that both of the parties, though they ended up on the battlefield, though they fought and killed each other, they're both believers because they're upon Haq. Then he said, this clearly indicates that their fighting did not tarnish their Iman. No, he said, you can call them wrong or impious because this is going to an extreme. So who were the ones who definitely deviated. It is known historically. It was Ali radiallahu's side that defeated the Khawarij. So the one that deviated were the Khawarij. And who were the ones of the two groups closer to the truth? Ali's side. He dealt with them. The blessed scholars have therefore said, Rahimahumullah, those Sayyidina Ali's side were in the right. However, Sayyidina Muawiyah's site was also correct in their ijtihad. For Rasulullah clearly said, the group nearer to the truth, meaning both were following the truth. However, one more than the other. <laughs> so now why is this important to highlight? Because we need to establish the truth first before going into the Baal <laughs> and the stats. If you haven't got this base in place, you can easily say, Muawiyah has made a mistake. Muawiyah is wrong. The Sahabu who went on Muawiyah's side were clearly in the wrong. And you hear people talking like this. And the reason they're told like that is because they haven't set a foundation before talking about the encounter. The most you can say is, their ijtihad was not as correct as the Amir al-Mu'minin's. Though they were also based upon the truth. It was for this very reason that each of the two parties acknowledged the other's religious standing and personal attributes and would make it known publicly. 
Look how strange. If you've got two people or forces on the battlefield, where have you ever heard that the, uh, you praise your opponents? That's not what it's unheard of. You know, the Nazis would never praise the Allies. The Allies didn't praise the Nazis. It's just common sense because you're on the battlefield. But here, probably in the, for the first time in history, you've got both opposing sides praising each other. So, to give you a few proofs, Sayyidina Ali, he said of Sayyidina Muawiyah on his return from Sifin, O people, do not disapprove of Muawiyah's governorship, for verily, if you lose, then you will witness heads falling from their shoulders, just as the fruits of the wild goat tree breaks and falls down. This is recorded in Al-Bidayah, volume 8, page 131. So what did Amir al-Mu'mineen say? He goes, do not speak ill of Muawiyah or his authority. He goes, he is an Amir. Then he said, if we lose, meaning if the fate is, that victory is in their hands, you will then see heads falling from their necks. Meaning he will deal with the rebels and the mischief mongers. And similarly, Rasulullah's grandson, Sayyidina Ali's son, Imam Hussein, radiyallahu anhu, he said, I heard my father Ali, radiyallahu anhu, saying that Rasulullah said, sallallahu alayhi wa an affair lingering day and night will not come to an end until Muawiyah is at the helm of the state. Subhanallah. This is in Daylami and Al-Bidayah. Ibn Kathir stated Sahih. So look how amazing this report is. What's the chain? Imam Hussein. So whose side is Imam Hussein on? Ali's side. Okay. Who did he hear the hadith from? Ali. So obviously he's the commander of the forces, his own forces. And who's he relating from? Rasulullah. And what does he tell his own force? Imagine. This is the one you're fighting. I heard Rasulullah say, an affair which will linger, meaning you can't see an end. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It will only come to an end until Muawiyah is the Amir at the head of the state. Imagine you were on Ali's side and you heard that. What did our Amir just say? Because he's telling you. He's on right. He's on hawk. I'm publicly telling you that we're fighting a man and I've heard Rasulullah say that this affair is not going to come to rest until that man we're fighting becomes the Amir al muminin in a similar report, Ali radiallahu anhu that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa before the world ends, the Muslim ummah will agree to the rule of Muawiyah. Radiallahu This is in, recorded by Nu'im ibn Hamad and Al-Bidayah. So this shows how pure the Ahl al-Bayt are. Subhanallah, such was the pure and unblemished soul of Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali, qarramallahu wajh that he did not hide the virtues of even his noble opponent at the time. So why am I mentioning that? Because you get fruitcakes and they start mentioning this, the trash of history. Because Ali started cursing Muawiyah. Where does it say that? What's in the books? And he goes, well, there's plenty of things in the books. Is it authentic? And then you go, well, why have you gone to history for? What did Rasulullah say about this? And then he goes, well, what's he going to say about something that occurred after his death? 
You'll be surprised, brother. He talked about literally everything after his death. And guess what? He talked about this. And who did he narrate this hadith to? The one who needed to know, Ali. So Ali knew full well, Muawiyah is a pious man. Muawiyah is going to become the Amir al-Mu'mineen. So he made it clear, we're opposing him because we are upon the haq. He's upon haq, but is not upon the standard that we're upon. But guess what? He would become Amir al-Mu'mineen. So this shows how pure he was. Again, showing both sides. So now, again, mention one from Muawiyah's side as if, as if we needed to know. So one of the Salaf, he went to Muawiyah. <laughs> and he says, do you consider yourself better than Ali? So Hazrat Muawiyah, he said in Al-Bidayah, Sayyid, he said, I will never consider myself better than Ali. He goes, he is far superior to me. And he mentioned his virtues. He says, however, this is a matter upon which the principle is that my cousin has been murdered. And if he hands over or deals with the ones who killed my cousin, I will be the first, together with the people of Sharp, to pledge to him. So he made it clear. This is not about who's greater. This is a matter about of man's murder. So again, that's all you need to know with regards to the scenario. But now another very important point, and this is again very important before you even discuss anything. Very few of the companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, got involved in the fitna. So if you were to ask me, when Uthman was martyred, radiallahu, how many companions were there? So I would educate, I guess, tens of thousands. It must have been tens of thousands, give or take. Subhanallah. Another important fact to consider during this troubled time of Islamic history is that many of the companions withdrew after the murder of Uthman. Mm -hmm. Indeed, one can easily be led to believe that there were thousands of companions on either side of the opposing camps. But this is another famous misconception. So you ask a person, okay, Ali's forces and Muawiyah's forces. Yes, because yes. Ali's a sahaba, yes. Muawiyah's sahaba, yes. Okay. How many altogether on Ali's side? 70,000 <laughs> or more. How many on Muawiyah's side? 50,000. Because okay. How many sahaba on both sides? This is where people start making some caucus. There are thousands on Ali's side and hundreds if not thousands on Muawiyah's side. So what is mentioned? Hafiz ibn Kathir said Rahmatullah in Al-Bidayah Some of the men who had been present at Badr stayed in their dwellings after the murder of Uthman They never left until they went to their graves. So Hafiz ibn Kathir said the Badris many of the Badris when Uthman was martyred they didn't get involved. They just kept to themselves and they died. Sha'bi said, Rahmatullah, none of the companions of Rasulullah were present at the battle of the Kamu except for Ali, Ammar, Talha, and Zubair. If they prove there was a fifth, I am a liar. 
This is recorded in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 8-710. So Imam Sha'bi, one of the senior Tabi'in in Iraq, he goes in the battle of the Kamal, which was between Ali and Aisha's forces, he goes, these were the only people who were companions. <laughs> Ali, Ammar, Talha and Zubair. So a person who knows a little bit about history, he goes, hang on a minute, but wasn't there Abdullah ibn Zubair? <laughs> Those the scholars say, Imam Sha'bi was referring to the senior companions in the encounter. For Abdullah ibn Zubair was with them. Others say, well, he's Zubair's son. So at no point mentioning his son, it's from his loins. So why is this important to highlight? There's not many who have got involved. Indeed, most of the companions did not get involved in the fitna. So when I say most, I'm not saying a good chunk. I'm literally saying 99%. So where's the proof? Abdullah ibn Ahmad, he relates from his father, Imam Ahmad, who relates from Ismail ibn Aliyah, who relates from Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, who relates from Muhammad ibn Siri. When the fitna erupted, the glorious companions, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, numbered in their tens of thousands. Yet, less than a mere hundred got involved. Indeed, their number was barely 30. So let's look at this. So where is this recorded? In Imam Ahmed in his Musnad with a Sahih channel transmission, Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf Al-Bidayah, Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah stated, in his Minhaj al-Sunnah 6-239, this chain is one of the soundest chains on the face of the earth. And Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahmatullah is one of the most pious people in his speech and his reports are amongst the soundest reports. So Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah said this chain is, he goes, it's one of the greatest chains in terms of, you know, light. Because each of these men, because are giants. Imam Ahmad's son was a giant. Abdullah ibn Ahmad, who relates from Imam Ahmad, who was a giant. Who relates from Ismail ibn Aliyah, senior Tabin, who was a giant. Who relates from Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, a giant. Who relates from Muhammad ibn Sirin. And what did Ibn Taymiyyah say about Muhammad ibn Sirin? One of the most pious people in his speech and reports, the soundest of reports. He told us, barely 30 got involved. What does he say? Tens of thousands. What's the percentage? What's 30 into 10,000? It's not even 1%. <coughs> I don't even know what that percentage is. It's not even 1%. So less than 1% of the Sahaba got involved. Subhanallah, it is surprising how this most important fight is rarely mentioned. Showing just how God-fearing these most noble souls were. So combine these two things. What did I mention yesterday? How did the Sahaba respond when Amir al-Mu'mineen told them to put their swords back. How did they respond? Did they disobey? No. That's an astounding thing if you think about that. Now I've told you something else which is astounding. How many Sahaba were there? 10,000, you know, give or take. How many got involved in the battle of the Kamal, battle of Sifir? About 30. 
Somebody goes, less than 1%. So what from these two fikes do you learn about the Sahaba? Radiyallahu ta'ala. They were mountains in terms of their obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Now we're learning their taqwa. We don't want to get involved. Even though Amir al-Mu'mineen, his course was the best. Then Muawiyah and then was kept, kept out as well. As Sayyidina Abu Musa radiyallahu relates that Abu Dhabi Messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa During the fitna, break your bows, cut your bowstrings, bind yourselves to the inside of your dwellings, be just like the better of the son of Adam. Alayhi salatu this is in Tirmidhi, number 2211, Hassan Gharib, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 19,751. So what did the Prophet command, sallallahu alayhi wa When there's fitna, break your weapons. That's what he said, break them. Stick inside your dwellings. Be like the better of the son of Adam. So who's the better of the son of Adam? The one who was killed or the one who killed? The one who was killed. So he goes, be like the one who's killed. Now what did he mean by that? He said, man, let them have your blood on their hands. Don't get involved. This is why, like I mentioned, the Badris did exactly that. Muhammad ibn Maslama got his sword, smashed it against the rock. And he stayed because I'm not getting involved. Well, another uh, sahab, Hazrat Ali came to him, and he said to him, he goes, will you join me in this course? So he goes, Amirul Mu'minin, I'm ready. Then he tells his servant, go and get my sword. So the servant goes, brings a wooden sword. So Hazrat Ali goes, what's this? He goes, your cousin, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that when the fitna erupts, make for yourself a wooden sword. So here it is. So Hazrat Ali goes, I don't need you and I don't need your sword. So did the Prophet tell him to make a sword out of wood? You know, what he was telling him was don't get involved, but look at their obedience. He actually made us a, a sword. And he goes, Ali, he goes, he's come. He's giving me my sword. And Ali looked at him, he goes, what's this? Right? He goes, I don't need your sword. But they were obeying who? You understand? Those who kept away were obeying Rasulullah. Now this is fascinating. This is why there's no democracy in Islam. The vast majority of the companions refuse to participate in the fitna. 99.9% or whatever it is. Whose names are mentioned? The list is too long. I'll mention a few. These didn't get involved. Sayyidina Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar. Sayyidina Osama ibn Zaid. Sayyidina Muhammad ibn Maslama, radiyallahu Sayyidina Zaid ibn Thabit, radiyallahu And Sayyidina Abu Huraira. This is why I've mentioned this. He goes, I'm not getting involved. So now why do I say democracy? <laughs> democracy means the rule of the mob. Go and check it out, right? So people, when they boast about this democracy, they say, we want the rule of the mob. <laughs> Islam does not give you the rule of the mob, right? Islam gives you mashura. So the Amir al-Mu'mineen, he discusses with people of authority. He listens to what they say. 
but he has the final say. If he wants, he can go against all of the advice that is given. And we are duty bound to obey. So here, in percentage terms, this is what you're talking. <laughs> if you had a pie chart of the Sahab, and somebody goes, right, what's this pie chart? He goes, oh, this is the pie chart of the fitna. And he goes, okay. And you see a massive red, almost completely covering the pie chart. You're thinking, well, it's, it's virtually red. And he goes, you know, no, it's not quite, look, there's a little thin line. There. Can you see it? Thin, that little thin line. And he goes, oh, oh right, yeah, there, there is, oh, that's, oh, there's two thin lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, then. So what's this pie chart then? He goes, do you see that red that almost covered the entire chart? He goes, that is 99% of the Sahaba. And guess what? They didn't get involved. They go, subhanallah. They didn't get involved in the... No. Well, nothing to do with it. He goes, okay. Then there's that thin line. Who's is that thin line? He goes, oh, that's Amir al-Mu'minin. Hazrat Ali. His force, the Sahaba, it is under him. They got involved. And who's the other really thin line? He goes, oh, that's Muawiyah. And the Sahaba who joined him. So if you just look at that pie chart, you would think, subhanallah, that means the, the best course was to keep out of it. The answer is no. There's no democracy. He goes, what do you mean there's no democracy? You said the pie chart. He goes, yeah, if it's democracy, then yeah, you're right. Hazrat Ali was right. He goes, who was the next right? They're all right. He goes, I didn't ask you that, right? He goes, who's next right? He goes, Hazrat Ali's right. He goes, but who's next right? Because they're all right. They keep pushing it. Then he goes, look, they're all right. So it doesn't really matter. Some might say that those who kept out of it, they were the next most correct in their ijtihad. And then it was Muawiyah's side. Oh, some say no. After Hazrat Ali, Muawiyah's side was next most correct. And then those who kept out. But the key point, your fruit cake, is they're all right. None of them were wrong. They were only less correct than their noble brothers in their ijtihad. Now, why should we not find that surprising? Because who's their teacher? Our belief as Sunnis is that he was the greatest teacher, therefore these are the greatest students. None of them will fail. Unless you believe, you know, think about this. If you break it down to the nuts and bolts, the Ahlul Sunnah, this is what we believe. 100% pass rate. This is Rasulullah's students. That's our belief. You go to the Rawafit. What's the pass rate? <laughs> right? And they go, what? Right? He goes, no, we are students. What's his pass rate? They go, well, what answer it? Answer it. It's one percent. Oh my God, Professor in Sheffield, you need better than Rasulullah. One percent pass rate. And then you go, you know, whatever. And then you go, oh, is it? And then you go, look. I've just given you one example. They're all right. These are the students of the Prophet And look at the beauty of that. That also proves another very important thing which Muslims, I don't know, maybe they're... They, so you get some Muslims saying, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> right? Meaning, there's only one truth. And the response is, oh, you have to again, I, right? Don't you study history. If there was only one truth, then why are 99% of the Sahaba... Gumrah. There's three truths. Subhanallah. So note again, this is why maybe all this happened. You know, when people say, why did Allah cause this to happen? So many lessons. 
But the key point is to teach you that the companions were the greatest students. <laughs> so now, who were the senior ones who kept out the fitna? <laughs> the greatest was Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas, <laughs> one of the ten promised paradise. He kept out of it. And the other was Abdullah ibn Umar, <laughs> who could have been the third caliph. <laughs> Look how amazing. Ali, you know, the giant of a man, did he have a, like a thing in his heart against him? Why didn't they join me? Look at his greatness. He said, how smart was the stance taken by Sa'd ibn Malik and Abdullah ibn Umar? For if it is correct, the reward is immense. If it is not, then the consequence will not be serious. SubhanAllah. Recorded by Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid 7-246, Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah in his Minhaj Sunnah 6-205, Hafiz Zahbi in his Siyad 1-119. Look how beautiful. Hazrat Ali, look at the purity of his heart. You know, Allahu Akbar. He's praised Muawiyah. He goes, this affair is not going to finish until Muawiyah becomes the Khalif. I heard the Prophet say. Imagine you're on the side of Ali thinking, oh, we've lost. That's how great a money was. Now he's talking about those who didn't even join. He goes, how noble they are. Right? In other words, they're all my brothers. In a slightly different wording, Amir al-Mu'minin said, the achievement of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas and Abdullah ibn Umar is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is an act of righteousness. Its reward is with the magnificent. If it is a slip, it will be recorded on the left. <laughs> recorded by Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah in his Majmu Fatawa 4-440. So he's saying, he's praised Muawiyah's side, <laughs> and he's praised those who kept out of the fitna. So what does that tell you? Hazrat Ali is our guide. He's our mawla. He's the gate of knowledge. He's the best judge. How is he talking about the entire scenario? He's telling Muslims till the end of time, don't speak ignorantly about these people. If anybody could, it's me. I'm a poor, they're opposing me, my authority. But they weren't. But look how foolish. We're not like his dust and we get involved. Well, hang on a minute. I've read a few books. That's a classic opening line. Then you go, oh God, here we go. Yeah, what do you found out? I found out that Moabi made a right mistake. Did they? What about Saad ibn Abi Waqas? You all, he goes, the great, great companions, right? But they've lost it, right? And then he goes, you've lost it, man. So note again, all of this is helping to explain the scenario. And just to add this, to finish, Abu Huraira kept out of the fitna, radiyallahu. Was there anything specifically about Abu Huraira, why he chose this path? Yes. He himself said, Allah, I have heard Rasulullah say with my ears, Fitna is going to appear during which the one who sits is better than the one who stands. The one who stands is better than the one who walks. And the one who walks is better than the one who runs. Where is this recorded? Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim. Do you honestly believe the one who narrated that hadith to you is going to get involved? So what did the Prophet ﷺ say? Fitness is going to strike 
the one sitting is better than the one who stands. Now what does that mean? It means that the one who's less involved is better. The one who's sitting is less involved. The one who stands up, even though he's not doing anything, he stood up. Because the one sitting is better. The one who stands, he's better than the one who walks because now you're moving. And the one who walks is better than the one who... Meaning the less involved, the better it is. What do you think he's going to do? I heard this from Rasulullah. I'm not getting involved. So subhanallah, alas, Sayyidina Ali's entire Khalifat was thus a most troubled one, which ultimately ended with his tragic martyrdom just five years into his rule. So in a nutshell, what happened? The battle of the camel. When Aisha's force clashed with Amir al-Mu'mineen's force. Then it was the battle of Sifin. When Muawiyah's forces, who clashed with Amir al-Mu'mineen's forces. Then there was the battle of Nahrawan. When Ali, Ali's forces crushed the Khawarij. And what's interesting, has Ali started fighting again normally against the Khawarij. He didn't fight properly <laughs> in the battle of the Kabul. Because he was, you know, fearful. In the, in the Khawarij encounter, he annihilated them. And it was only one was left alive. Or some reports say seven. Because Hazrat Ali went into that fight mode again. And he was taken apart because he knew this was a mandate given by the Prophet But tragically he was martyred. But he was not tragically martyred from his perspective, from our perspective. Because to die from the strike of the Khawarij is the best martyrdom. The Prophet said, the best of you will be those killed by the Khawarij. Hazrat Ali was one of them. Hazrat Uthman was one of them. Hazrat Muawiyah almost, but he, he survived. So it's an honor for Sayyidina Ali, but for us, we lost him because of the, the tragic strike. Upon the tragic martyrdom of Ali and his noble son Hassan Radiallahu's abdication six short months later, Abu Huraira was now around the age of 62. <laughs> Like what did I mention? Who was he similar in age to? Ali. Ali was martyred at 63. So Abu Huraira was roughly the same age. So this is what's very easy to remember about Abu Huraira. Sayyidina Muawiyah, who was now around 60, was ushered into the elite post. So what happened? After Ali was martyred, the people then forced Hassan. Because we want to take your pledge. Reluctantly, he gave his hand so then the fitna was continuing. But Rasulullah protected the Ummah. How do you protect the Ummah? Allahu Akbar. 35 years before this incident, her son's only a child, maybe five or six years old. This is in Sayyid Bukhari. And he's next to Rasulullah on the pulpit and he's standing. And the Prophet <coughs> he's looking at his grandson, Hassan, and then he's looking at the companions. He does this a few times. And then he says, this son of mine is Sayyid. And inshallah, through him, Allah Ta'ala will bring peace to two large Muslim warring factions. <laughs> now what's amazing about this hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari. <laughs> You've got to go back to the time the Prophet uttered it. The scholars say, who was in the gathering? Mu'abiyah. <laughs> he's probably blissfully thinking, oh, he's hearing that hadith. Subhanallah, he goes. First he thinks, Muslims are going to fight. Imagine, just think what's going through his blessed heart. Hey, Muslims are going to be fighting. 
And then he looks at the blessed grandson thinking, who's going to make him abdicate? The beloved, you know, the, the flesh of the Prophet. <laughs> if only he knew it. That's why when Muawiyah heard the hadith, he went, subhanAllah, it was me, the Prophet. That's why the Prophet, who was he looking at? He looked at his grandson and then he looked. He was looking at Muawiyah. Then he looked back at his son. But he didn't speak ill of Muawiyah. Why? Because he's his student. But he gave the ultimate guidance. He goes, I hope, inshallah, two large Muslim warring factions will come to peace through my son. <clears throat> and just to add this to finish, so Hassan abdicated. So why did he become Khalif? Because you can only abdicate if you're Khalif. So he took the Khilafat. <laughs> then the question then goes, well, why did he wait six months? Because the Khilafat Rashidin has to last 30 years. 29 years and six months had passed. <laughs> so the stopwatch came on. I said, Hassan, because got six months. And in those six months, think about this, Allahu Akbar. He did such an amazing job because he didn't get involved in battles. He just thought six months, great, not done. And when the six months, oh, I'm ready now. Right? He goes, yes, the letters come. Oh, yeah, we will. And why do you think Muawiyah sent a letter after six months? Because he knew the time's coming to an end. And when Hazrat Muawiyah became the Khalif, what did he say? I am the first king of Islam. <laughs> Meaning the Khalaf al-Rashidin has finished. 30 years have elapsed. In Rabbi al-Awwal, and Hazrat Ibn Kathir Rahmatullah said, exactly on the 11th or 12th of Rabbi al-Awwal, Muawiyah became the Khalif. 30 years to the date of Rasulullah's passing. So note, even in these most troubled times, what do we learn? He is Rasulullah. And he was helping his students, saying, I've seen all this, it's played out to me. But, like Imam Ahmed beautifully said, he never once spoke of his companions. So what are we trying to find out? If anybody could speak it, it's Rasulullah because Allah Ta'ala showed him everything. Not once, he plays them all. Therefore, when you find faults, you're only finding your own fail, frail intellects, misunderstandings with regards to the matter. So all I mentioned today was now, in brief, the fitna and thereafter. I didn't go into any great detail. I just wanted to mention what was the stance of Abu Hurairah. And why did he take that approach? And critically explaining the three camps of the companions. So you don't come out with these crazy statements that you hear every now and again. Astaghfirullah. Are there any questions? Let us. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanallah, Allahumma, bihamdi, ka'ishtulai, lakhi illa, anta astaghfirullah, wa alaikum, 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 wa ala